Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Podcast Manager Show. I'm excited because on this episode, I am talking to Kaylee Bell, who is a student of the Podcast Manager Program, and she is sharing how she started her podcast management business, how she started her boutique podcast agency, and exactly what her business looks like from the inside out. So if you're thinking about maybe starting an agency or you want to outsource your editing and you want to see an example of what this could look like, this episode is going to be really great for you. And if you want to hear another success story of a woman that has made this work for her and hit her monthly income goals, you're definitely going to want to listen to Kaylee's story. So let's get to it. Hey there, I'm Lauren and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Hey, Kaylee, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk through your story and how you built your podcast management business. And I thought that we could just start with you introducing yourself, uh, letting us know like who you are and all that good stuff. Okay. My name's Kaylee Bell. I live in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I'm originally from Evansville, Indiana. We moved here a couple of years ago for my husband's job. He's a software engineer, super weeby and nerdy. Um, We have two girls. Their names are Emily and Lily. They're three and eight. COVID has been a hot mess with school and not having preschool and all of that fun stuff. Um, And we also have two dogs. They're both labs and their names are Luna and Remus from Harry Potter. Um, We like to go hiking and camping and do all of the outdoorsy things and go on vacation. And we're going to Ireland next year. So that's really exciting. Yeah. And then on the business side of things, I own a boutique podcasting agency, which basically just means that we're a small agency. It's called All Things Podcasting. And just like the name says, we handle all things podcasting, editing, show notes, uploading, launches, social media stuff, all of the things. Yes, I'm really excited to get into the details of the agency side to hear how you kind of built that. Um, And I have to say before we move on that I had a cat named Luna. Oh, that's so, a good pet name. I love that pet name. And we are so close to each other. We're like less than, especially now that I've moved, we're like less than two hours away from each other. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah. I live on Southern, the Southern side of Indianapolis. So cool. Awesome. Love that. Now, how did you hear about podcast management? Or let's start with like, where were you at before you decided to become a podcast manager? What were you doing? Oh, all the things. Okay. So I started off as a general VA. My original career was in early childhood education. So I worked in a childcare center as the assistant director. And I kind of took this journey of like moving up through the ranks through, you know, that career and got to where I was the assistant director. And I was like, I really just don't see this being, you know, the end all be all of where I'm going with my life. I really like, I was really passionate about it. I really still to this day, you know, have a lot of respect for people who choose that for their career. But for me, it just wasn't a good fit with my life anymore. 
was working a lot and it was just too much. So then I saw a Facebook ad for, I think it was actually Michaela Quinn's Facebook ad. So I saw the ad for, you know, become a VA and work from home and spend more time with your kids. And I was like, hey, that's it. That's what I need. So then I started researching how to become a VA. And I originally worked with people in like the early childhood space on doing like email marketing and social media management and basically whatever they needed help with. And then it kind of transitioned into working with coaches and course creators doing the same thing. And then I took a Facebook and Instagram ads course and was like, you know, for sure that that was going to be my thing, that that was going to be my niche and it was going to be great. And then I got into it and I was like, this is not for me. Um, It was just really high stress for me. A lot of people do Facebook ads and don't feel that way. But for me, it was just a lot. I don't like spending other people's money. It makes me really nervous. So then I kind of was looking for something else. And Stephanie, who's in your program, was one of like the original people, I think. She is in another program with me. And I was in there asking about, you know, I feel like Facebook and Instagram ads isn't a good fit for me. Like I need something that's more concrete, like where you're checking boxes off. And we did this, we did this, we did this because Facebook and Instagram ads are very much not that way. It's a lot of like testing and tweaking and maybe this will work for this client, but not work for this one. And so it's just like a lot of extra stuff to keep track of. So then she mentioned podcast management and I knew that she had been doing that. And I asked her, I was like, what course did you take? And then she gave me your link and the rest is history. (laughs) Love that. Yeah, that's a good point about Facebook and Instagram ads that it's a lot more dynamic. Like you just, it's a new thing. And that's one thing about podcast management is like, it's really, I say this all the time, it's really like a smooth operating machine once you get it up and going. And I'm not one personally that likes like the same thing every day. But I found with having this as like a side hustle that it was so nice to have those boxes to check. Because then you could have like you could have your system and you could check it off and then you could be creative in finding clients. You can be creative in developing a different strategy or something. So you can use that side of your brain on your business still. But like majority of what you're doing, you don't have to be super creative or super strategic. It's like you just have to get things, the things done once it's all set up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So have you found that podcast management kind of does that for you? Like with being able to check off the different things that you do each week? Yeah. Once you do like your first launch and management, it's so easily repeatable. You're going to be doing, I mean, of course there's like different things, you know, details, but for the most part, you're going to be repeating the same process. You're always going to be editing the episode, uploading the episode, writing the show notes, doing the graphics. And so it's just, it's much more like plug and play and a checklist Mm. than anything else that I've done. Yeah, for sure. So when was this that you took my course and started podcast management? I believe it was August of 2020. Of 2020. Okay, cool. So then how did that first go? Like, who was your first client? How did you find your first client? Tell us about the early stages. My first client I got through the private Facebook group. It was one that somebody submitted through the form and it was a launch client and it was like at a, like, I would never do it for that price range now, but like doing my first launch, I was like, yeah, that's totally good. So I think she paid me 800 for the launch and we no longer work together because we just kind of outgrew each other, but I did her launch and then I did management for her for several months. And then 
the management package was only 400. So we kind of hit a standstill. She was wanting more services and I was wanting more money, but it wasn't (laughs) lining up. (laughs) Yeah. That's so common with that first client because you, you want to land someone, you want to get some experience. They're basically getting you at a somewhat of a lower rate most of the time. And then you just outgrow each other. I feel like that's so common with that first client. Yeah, it definitely is. And you just kind of have to look at it as, you know, that was a learning experience and got my first client out of the way and now on to bigger and better things. So, yeah. So then how did it go from there? So I did some management in January for a podcasting network who just wanted like one season, like one and done, like just Mm. here, edit this whole season, do the audiograms for it. And so January was like my biggest month and I made almost $8,000 in January between them and yeah. And my ongoing retainer clients. And so then after that, it kind of dropped off, but I think this month we're projected to do like 6,000. I have two new clients coming on this month, Awesome, but yeah, so it's kind of, I had that client that was with the podcasting network that came out, but then like I have three clients who are on monthly retainer packages and I don't see them going anywhere. Most of them are on contracts, like through the end of summer because they batch recorded Mm. and they wanted me to go ahead and edit. So everything's ready. I was like, Hey, Mm. we can edit ahead. If you want to go ahead and sign the contract, you know, moving out. And so it's just in their agreement that, you know, these deliverables have already been provided. Therefore you're contracted in to pay the remainder of this contract. So yeah, so that's worked really well because it gives us, you know, the opportunity to work ahead of time and kind of have a summer that's less work. And then, you know, for them, they know everything's done and ready to go. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So how do you manage your time with not necessarily batch editing, but editing ahead? How are you managing your time with that? So I have an editor who does all of the editing for me. And I pretty much just tell her like, Hey, here are the episodes. They're contracted out to this date. So you can do, you know, episodes 10 through 40 you know, mm-hmm. and do um at your leisure, but you know, the dates that they have to be done. And she just works ahead as, you know, she has kids and stuff too. So whenever she has time, so some weeks she'll do one episode, some weeks she'll do three. And mm-hmm. it makes it really easy for us because, you know, as moms, we have a lot of things going on and some weeks we have more time to work than others. And so, yes, it's worked really well with her just being able to kind of work at her leisure and we've mm-hmm. gotten way ahead. So yeah. Uh, just like thinking that you could edit like episode 10 to 40 is just so amazing. Yeah. Like I love uh, my heart just sings with like being ahead like that. That I'm just like, yeah. that's amazing. It can be hard to get clients to really commit to that. But if you have someone from the start, that's like, no, I'm a hundred percent want to be ahead. Then it's like, oh, it's so nice. Yeah, it definitely is. And I always try to like encourage them like, Hey, if you when you're first starting out, you know, when you've got the drive and, you know, the motivation to do it, just bang out a bunch of episodes. I know you have the ideas in your head, just record them, upload them. Don't worry about when they're going to go live. We'll figure that out later. Just get the content out, you know, before it's leaves your brain. (laughs) Yeah. And whenever, once you're like in the, you know, releasing weekly, it can feel daunting to like have to record an episode every week, especially if they're doing solo episodes. But if they're ahead, there's just a huge gap between being ahead. There's like, you have space for that creativity. Whereas when you have this strict deadline of, okay, got to do another one, got to do another one. Then it's, it's harder. I find for clients to be creative and to have, you're right. The, the motivation can dwindle. Yeah, for sure. 
Okay. So, so then right now, how many clients do you have? Right now we have five. Okay. So you mentioned that you have an editor. Before we get into that, what pieces of podcast management did you really like and know that you wanted to do? And which ones did you know from the start that maybe you wanted to outsource? Yeah, I knew from the start that I wanted to outsource editing. It's just so time consuming. A lot of people really enjoy it. For me, I was like, okay, like it's a little monotonous. (laughs) But my editor, she loves it. And I kind of went a different route with hiring her than most people do. She actually worked with me in my previous job. I met her through my daughter. Our daughters go to school together. And so we're like friends. And so she had no editing experience at all. I got her into the VA world shortly after I joined on and started doing this. And I gave her like clients that I had outgrown. As I was outgrowing them, I would shift them off to her. And so I knew that we worked really well together and that she would be super dependable. When I decided I wanted to outsource the editing, I just trained her on how to do all of the editing and had her do some test episodes and she was way better at it than I was. And so I was like, yep, this is it. And so now, yeah. So now she does probably about 90% of the client work. And then mm. I do like all of the back end, the marketing, the discovery calls and the client communication, but she's doing most of the legwork. Okay. So she edits and does she like upload and do show notes and all that good stuff? Yep. Okay. And is she the only other person on your team? Yes. Right now, she's the only other person on the team. By the end of the year, we'll probably have to hire one or two more people to help sort things out and kind of disperse. And she'll kind of take on more of like a manager role and Hmm. just maintain them. Because like right now, we're getting like two new clients a month. So by the end of the year, that's like 18 clients. So there's no (laughs) way. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's, I love that you bring that up. I mean, two clients a month, it's like, okay, that's manageable. But because of the nature of podcast management, people don't go anywhere. I mean, of course, turnover is 100% a real thing, but it's just so much less likely or it happens fewer times with podcast management. So it's like, by the end of the year, 18 clients, holy cow, you know, you definitely probably want to have three people working on that or something. So that makes sense. Whenever I talk to people about podcast management, and I not people that are like going to become podcast managers, but like podcasters, they wonder like how one person can be good at everything. So for that third person, do you think that they will be like more of the writing person or it kind of almost sounds like you want to then replace the girl that you have now and she's going to move up? Is that kind of what you have in mind? Yeah. So right now, the plan that we have in place is that Shannon is going to tell me when she's at like 80% capacity, like when she's working like 35 hours a week, we're going to have a conversation about like, who do we need to hire? What voids do we have that need to be filled? And what things would you prefer to have off of your plate? Because I want her to be working in her genius zone. You know, I Mm. want everybody to be working on what lights them up and what they're good at. So right now she really enjoys doing everything, but I have a feeling Mm -hmm. like as we get more clients, it'll become more clear to her what she wants to continue doing and what she would rather kind of load off onto somebody else. Eventually, if we have a full team, then I would kind of put her in the position I am now where Mm -hmm. she would be managing the team, doing the client communication because she's super good at that as well. And then have, you know, a person for editing, a person for show notes and a person for social media. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. That's, (laughs) That's super cool. So then do you love the like marketing side of it? 
or I guess of what you're doing now, what's your favorite thing? Yeah. So it's so funny because I hate cold DMing. So like I like marketing the way that I do it. Like I like going and engaging with people in Facebook groups and like building connections that way. And like, if somebody DMs me, like I love to talk people to people in the DMs, but I hate like that cold DMing piece, which is Mm. what a lot of people kind of push you to do. It just doesn't fit with my personality, but I love getting on calls with people and doing podcast interviews. We're should be launching our podcast within the next month or two, if I can find the time to do it. So that'll be exciting. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So wait, before I ask you about that, how are you finding clients most of the time? Because I'm not a fan of cold DMing either. So what's, what is working for you? It's 90% Facebook groups and 10% referrals. Okay. That's, that's interesting because I feel like now that you have five clients, you're, you're already onboarding two more than your referrals are probably going to start picking up. Yeah. But for me personally, with my business, I never had that many referrals, like hardly ever. It was always Facebook groups. So it sounds like that's kind of the similar. That's really, that's really interesting. Yeah. And I just do like 15 minutes a day and I go through, I have a list of Facebook groups and I just type in podcast most recent and respond to every post that somebody has Mm. put on there. And that is tried and true how I've gotten all of my clients. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Amazing. Now, d- did you say that your clients are still course creators and coaches? Yeah. They're all coaches and course creators and they're all female as well. Okay. So then let's go to, you're going to start a podcast. Love it. Let's talk about that. What's it going to be about? So it's going to be all things podcasting, of course. And we're just going to cover how to, I really love using your podcast as a piece of macro content. And so that's really what we're going to focus on in like the first season is repurposing that content. We're going to have people on Pinterest experts, Instagram experts, all of the experts for all the social media platforms and really talk about how you can take your podcast and turn it into so many other pieces of content so that you're not constantly dealing with the content creation struggle. Mm. And also we're going to talk about, you know, launching and managing and how those things can be overwhelming for business owners and how, you know, even if you're DIYing, how you can cut back on the amount of time that you have to spend on your podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I love seeing, you know, if you're in the podcasting world at all, even if you're a podcast manager, it's like, we, we all have like that. Maybe I'll start a podcast soon, you know? So it's just fun. I always love seeing like, someone's like, okay, I'm actually ready now. I'm going to actually do it. And then hearing, you know, hearing, but that sounds like a great idea and that's going to match perfectly with your business. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back when you were starting, did you have any like hesitations or like what were like the fears in your head of niching down into podcast management? Yeah. So since I had already attempted to niche down into Facebook and Instagram ads and paid a lot of money for the course, which I don't regret spending that money on the course because I learned a lot about like online marketing and it was kind of one of those things for me. Like I had to do it to realize it wasn't for me. So totally fine with that. But I feel like niching down into something again, it was kind of like putting your, all your eggs in one basket mentality. Like if this basket breaks, then everything's done and over with. So in between, I did take on like some general BA clients, but I still tried to like align them in terms of like where I wanted to go. Mm. But through talking to Stephanie and seeing everybody in the group, I kind of 
knew that in order for me to really grow it, I had to be 100% dedicated and sure about it. And once I shifted my mindset to this is going to happen and this is where I want this business to go and believed in myself and in the business in general, then it really took off. And people now know me as a podcast manager and that I have a podcast agency. So when you niche down like that, it becomes so much easier for people to refer you. Like I had somebody refer me in a Facebook group today that I don't even know who they are or how they know me. And so wow, people just see your stuff and then they, you know, anytime somebody they know is looking for a podcast manager, then they refer you. So while being like a general VA seems like the safe route and like you're going to get all these clients because you can be, anybody can be your client. You can do anything. It really halts your progress because you can't charge premium prices and people don't know what to refer you for. Yes. Oh my gosh. And so I love that like someone referred to you that you, you don't even know. And that's from just like 15 minutes of networking or answering questions, giving value on Facebook every day. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I think that's such, like we're in such a golden period where there's still such few podcast managers versus social media managers or virtual assistants or whatever. So like you're saying, people will start to recognize your name as a podcast manager and say, oh yeah, like Kaylee gets recommended all the time. So I don't even know her, <laughs> but I know she's the person. So that's awesome. I feel like that's got to be a serious win. Yeah, for sure. What is it that you do for your clients that you hear is like the most helpful for them? One of our clients that is like our queen bee of referrals and is always like anytime I post in a Facebook group, she comments right below me and it's like, oh my gosh, Kaylee and her team are amazing. I couldn't do this without them. Her biggest thing is that like, she doesn't have to think about it. She records the episode, she puts it into Google Drive and then she's done. Like that's it. Mm. We do her audiograms, we do her show notes, we do the editing, the uploading, all of the things. And so she literally doesn't have to think about it. She does like post her own graphics and stuff on her social media pages and she uploads her own show notes to the website. We just write them. But she's Mm. like, I never have to like, say like, hey, did this week's episode get done? Or, you know, have you guys started working on this yet? And she said like, she'd work with VAs and stuff before that she felt like she had to constantly micromanage. And I honestly, I probably talked to her like once a month where it's just like, hey, is this the episode you wanted? Because this thing's kind of confusing. And she's like, yeah, that's great. Or like, hey, this guest had to reschedule. And yeah, and that's another thing we do her guest management for her. And she literally just shows up, shows up on her calendar. And she's like, oh, I have a podcast interview today. And then she's there and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. God, that is so golden. That is so golden. Number one, I love that she is like referring you all the time. And it's just good to like know like, okay, she's really happy. She's going to be posting. Anytime I say that I'm in business, she's going to be like, yep, she's awesome. That's such a good like pat on the back. That's so interesting that she will upload her own show notes. I don't think I've ever heard of like that piece being what the client wants to do. Does she have like a VA that does it? No, she does it herself. So she Hmm. is an SEO specialist. And so she like reads through it and makes sure like she gives us keywords because obviously she knows what her keywords are going to be. So that kind of saves us like that piece. And then we transcribe and write it all up. And then she gives it like one last glance over and then she uploads it onto her website. That makes total sense. Yeah. She was a service provider first. So like, she's very much like, if I can do it myself quick, then I'll just go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. And that kind of works for us too, because then we don't have to learn the back end of like websites can be a pain. So that it's kind of nice to that we didn't have to learn, you know, the back end of her website and how she had everything set up. So yeah, right. Now your clients, were any of them like DIY podcasters before you took them on? Or had they always had either you launched for them or they had an editor before you? Um, so one of our clients had a previous podcast, but we are doing not really a relaunch, but it's practically a whole new show. We're going to use some of her Mm. old episodes as like a throwback Thursday kind of thing. So she had like experience with podcasting, but it was like a different style than what, like it was several years ago. And it was mostly like doing coaching calls, like live. Mm. And so it was streamed live. There wasn't like editing involved or anything like that. And it wasn't like on Apple podcast. Um, She had it on, I'm trying to think of what platform, like one of like the radio online radio platforms is what it was on. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So she's the only one who had like a previous podcast and then like we took it over. Everybody else has either paid somebody that just did launches and had it launched or we launched for them. Mm, okay. Yeah. I was just thinking that because you said, you know, you're getting feedback that like just having, you know, being able to be completely hands off is so nice. And that sometimes whenever someone has already done it themselves, like they were DIY and now they're hiring someone, it's harder for them to let go, which I get. And and they can do it over time. You know, they can get more comfortable, but it's so nice having those clients that are like, I don't even want to learn this. Please do this for me, you know, so I can just trust you and move about and get into my zone of genius, which is not podcasting. Yeah. And I think a lot of our clients have like thought about DIYing it and then like go down the rabbit hole of trying to figure everything out and realize that there's 20 different methodologies and 5,000 different editing softwares. And they're like, I just cannot wrap my brain around this. I just need somebody else to take it and do it. Otherwise it's never going to get done. Right. Cause yeah, even if they can learn it, it's like, okay, they're going to have to really set aside time to then become an expert in podcasting, right? If they want to start their show or, you know, they can just have a podcast expert who's already done all that, who's really passionate about the podcasting world and they can just stay in whatever they're really good at. Yeah. Let's talk about guest management because I feel like I get a lot of questions about this. How do you set up your guest management as far as like, do your clients send you names or are you doing a lot of pitching? How does that look like in your business? So what I like to do is when we first start guest management, I ask them for, you know how like as service providers, we do like a dream 100 list. Like these are the 100 clients I want to work with. You know, these are the names that I'd like to work with. I have them do Mm -hmm. something similar, but I obviously don't put like a number on it. I'm like, if you could be on these podcasts or if you could have these people as a guest, who would that be? Like your dream list. And then we kind of work from there so that we know that the people that we're pitching are aligned with them. So we pitch their dream Mm. lists. And then we also pitch like people who are related to them. So we will go on like Facebook and Instagram or Apple podcasts and search for those people and see, you know, what similar podcasts come up and then start pitching those people as well. Okay. Okay. And so then whenever you find these like related people, which those are the, those are the good ones because they're not as known. I mean, they still might have a big following, but they're not like, an Amy Porterfield or whoever. 
And I feel like those, when you find a good person like that, you're like, yes, because they can just hide, you know, that you can just not be in their circle. Right. Um, But if you were to find someone like that, do you then run it by your client? No. Or do you have the relation? You're just, you just go for it. (laughs) We just go for it. I love not being managed in that way. So it's like when you can, yeah, sometimes that relationship can take a little bit to develop with a client, but when you get there, it's so nice because you can just thrive. You can work. Like you said, you can talk to your client like once a month and everyone's happy. Yeah. And we've never had this happen, but like if a client came back and was like, Hey, that interview, like wasn't a good fit, then, you know, that's fine. Like, and I feel like my clients know enough, like we're not always going to be a hundred percent sure that it's going to be a perfect fit for the podcast. You know, sometimes people mm-hmm have their content out and it's super great. And then they get on somebody else's podcast and they're really nervous or, you know, aren't sure what to talk about. And we do send interview questions ahead of time. So like that helps them kind of prepare. Yeah. So like, if it's not a good fit, like I'm always like, just let me know if that, you know, if it wasn't a good interview and we'll kind of take an assessment of what we could have seen ahead of time. But most of my clients, you know, are happy with the interviews and we've never had like a podcast interview that they decided to not air or anything like that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's not going to always be 100% perfect. Nothing is. But if anything, it's only an hour of their time that they then have to redo. Not ideal, but like it's not that big of a deal. And you're not going to then go and edit it and produce it. You're going to take a moment to say, okay, do we want to release this or not? I've had clients that didn't release episodes. Now, it wasn't stuff that I booked. It was just, like you said, like some people, it's like they're either really nervous or they weren't vetted really clearly. So like there was something that was a big deal that wasn't, they weren't on the same page about, Yeah, you know, and that's such a tough position to be in because you don't want to waste the guest time and say, oh, we're not going to release this, but sometimes it has to happen and you just kind of have to move on, Right. honestly. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. But then sometimes our clients have bad days where they're just like not, their brain isn't there or they're not as focused or whatever. And those ones you usually still release, right? It's like, okay, they're not as great as they always are, but it's fine. It's still going to be some good content in there. So you still release it. Right. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that like makes the podcast host more human. Like a lot of times I'll have a client be like, Hey, um, so we're going to struggle through this podcast interview today because I was up with my kids until 3 a.m. because nobody wanted to sleep last night, but I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The more relatable or just human the podcast host is, it just makes it so much better because just the nature of podcasting, it's like you're literally hanging out with them every week. And when they're like so scripted or they're so good <laughs> talking, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh. I had a client that was so good at talking that I was like, I wonder if she's like this in her real life, right? Like, is she like this with her friends? Is she, but I mean, she, she was also like a speaker and so she had some experience in it, but I was just like, she could just go off for like 45 minutes and make like very minimal errors. That is not me. Yeah. Which makes editing super easy. Right. But then people are like, oh, is this like a lecture that I'm listening to? Or is this like, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, So is there anything that you're doing with your clients right now that you feel like is really working, like strategy-wise or social media promotion-wise? Is there anything that you could share with other podcast managers? Yeah, so we have been experimenting and dipping our toe in repurposing the content for our clients and kind of doing more of like the promotional, like 
social media aspects. So we've been doing like Pinterest pins, um, which are tied Mm -hmm. back to the show notes, which is a really good way to promote things. And then also like the Instagram and Facebook post. Mm -hmm. And then as far as like those like help drive traffic to the website, but then as far as driving traffic to like the actual podcast, we found that 10 to one, the pitching your client to be a guest on other people's podcasts is the way to grow. Like after a client is on another person's podcast, we see like a huge spike after that episode is released in the number of downloads. Wow. So we've really been trying to like, if our clients are like, really wanting promotion, if they really want to grow their listenership, then that's something that we've really been trying to push them to do. Mm. So you're saying, you know, if they're on another podcast, like on a Monday, then their next episode that gets released, you see a big spike in those downloads? Yeah. And like, even if I watch it, like watch the stats, like that next day or like that afternoon Mm. of their episode drops, I'll see previous episodes get more downloads. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I love stats. That's really smart to see like, okay, this episode on another person's podcast went live on Monday and on Tuesday you saw a big spike. So that's really interesting. And I totally agree. You know, pitching to be on other shows is so much more effective because then you're getting in front of a different audience that's already podcast listeners. It's really easy for them to just listen to another show versus then potentially, you know, getting in front of other people that might not listen to podcasts. So they're just not as likely to be like, okay, sure, I'm going to go listen to this person's podcast. I like them, but they might, you know, they may or may not be podcast listeners. Yeah. And I found that like when our clients are on other people's podcasts, they're giving like the best 5% of their content because they only have an hour instead of like on their podcast, they have, you know, an infinite amount of episodes. They're trying to give Mm -hmm. as much value as they can in an hour. So they're really like condensing their value. And that seems to like pull people in more because they're getting the top level of like, you know, the most valuable, juicy pieces of information that they can get. And so like a lot of times, like if I'm interested in listening to somebody's podcast, I'll go and find an episode that they guested on first and listen to that episode first to see if I like the overarching theme of Mm. what they're talking about. And then I'll go back and subscribe to their podcast if I liked it. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really great point. Because when you, if you just listen to one episode of someone, it could just be about a topic that's like, either they're not great at speaking on or you're not in love with. And so that's a really great idea to just go somewhere else where they're talking about their business or whatever, like the main ideas that they share. That's really smart. I like that. Yeah, got to be analytical with my time, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, I'm all about efficiency. I appreciate that. I'm all about efficiency. I do not like to waste time. That's why I'm so good at managing people like my husband. I'm like, I am, I'm focusing on this one thing, but I need like five other things done. So you would need to do all those other five things. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Okay. So we talked a little bit about your personal, your, your business goals. Where do you hope to be in let's like, we're recording this in April. So let's say, where do you want to be in like three months? Oh, geez. All the things. Um, (laughs) I'm going to force you, force you to, to nail it down. (laughs) Yeah. So ideally I would like to have one more person on the team, even if it was just part-time and obviously have the clients to back that up, you know, as far as Mm -hmm. income wise. And then also I have it on my bucket list, not only to launch the podcast, but to do a course and a template library for people who can't afford our services. So like the people who Mm -hmm. want to DIY their podcasts, but don't want to 
piecemeal things together from YouTube. I have like five people in like a founding members launch type deal that we're going to do the end of this month. And so I'm hoping to like roll that out and then like pull pieces of it, you know, for like promotional aspects and writing show notes and sell those like as individual templates. So I really want to expand the podcast so that we can help as many people as possible get their message out. And, you know, even if they can't afford, you know, our monthly retainer packages, they still can get the skills that they need to do the podcast themselves or to have, you know, a general VA that's already on their team or whatever kind of take over those pieces for them. Yes. I love that. I would love to see just like the overall general overwhelm that podcasters face. I would love to see that go down. Like you said, either by hiring a podcast manager and outsourcing all of it, or just by understanding how to make things more simple, because there's just a lot of overwhelm out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A lot of people that I talk to are like, well, we've been editing it in this and then editing again in here and then uploading it through this place. And then we individually post it on these 12 platforms. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Simple is always better. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this has been so great. How can the listeners find you, connect with you after the show? So I have Instagram, but I'm never on it. But you can find me on there. Um, It's at Kaylee.Bell1123. Or you can find me on Facebook. I'm on there all the time, you know, in the groups. So yeah, so you can reach out to me through there. Or our website is allthingspodcasting.com. And you can send us an email through our website. Awesome. And whenever your podcast launches, let me know and I will add it back to the show notes so people can tune into that too. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.